When I was a couple weeks short of my 70th birthday, I started thinking about my mother's mother, who lived to be 100, and her mother, who lived to be 102, and my father, who lived to be 90, longer than anyone we had ever heard of in his family. I began to think that maybe our generation could be the first to routinely live to be 100. When I talked about this at family dinner one night, my granddaughter, who was five, said, What are you going to do for the next 30 years, Grandpa? Hello, I'm Dr. Janet Price. And I'm Greg Kalust. And we are Oldish. And this is our podcast, Oldish. If you're Oldish or know someone who is, please join us every week for conversations amongst ourselves and our special guests about what it means to be Oldish in the 21st century. If you ever wonder whether you're getting old, you're Oldish. What are you going to do for the next 30 minutes? This is an exciting episode that we're heading into. My name is Janet. I am oldish. I'm Greg, and I'm oldish. And today we're meeting our new friend, Aaron McHugh. Aaron is the author of 30 books of humor, inspiration, trivia, children's history, and LGBTQ topics. One of the reasons she's visiting with us today is that she's written a new book called Pickleball is Life, which will be published November 1st. And we're looking forward to talking with her about Pickleball is Life. If you've listened to any episodes of our podcast before, you know that Janet and I are both avid pickleball players, and I have an alter ego of Pickleball Nomad. So we're all excited about having a conversation with someone who knows enough to write a book about it. So welcome, Aaron. Thank you very much. I am also oldish. Yes. That's, uh, uh, isn't it nice? It's great to be oldish. I don't mind being oldish at all. It is full of surprises. Well, that's the attitude that it takes to to be oldish, I think. I believe you're right. So how long have you been playing pickleball? Uh, Greg, I'd say a little over three years, probably. Um, I uh, Somebody got a group together and uh, one day and said they were playing sort of at an indoor place. That wasn't quite big enough and said, we're going to, we're going to play this game called pickleball. I'd never heard of it. And a friend said, come along. And so I did. And I thought, well, this is fun. And uh, at that point, there weren't many places around where I live, which is in uh, the South coast of Massachusetts. Uh, But eventually the indoor tennis place uh, got it together and let us play some pickleball there. And we managed to cobble together a few places around town. So off we went. That's excellent. That's that's kind of the way a lot of people start. Is somebody says, hey, try this. Uh, and next thing you know, you're addicted. I think you're right. And I, I think a, a lot of that comes from people saying, uh, I have, you know, my elbow hurts, my shoulder hurts, my uh, my knee hurts. And people say, well, there's, the, there's an alternative bracket game for you. That will um, that will be easier on your body. So it's impressive that you started playing three years ago, and in three years you've become a passionate pickleball player and wrote a book about it. <laughs> so you jumped in, and when you jumped in, you jumped in. I jumped in. I guess that's my way. But you know, it's funny, Janet. We say uh, my gang of, of friends and picklers say when we take somebody out, we say, "Okay, now listen." Don't worry. It's going to take maybe 16 minutes for you to figure out the cadence of the ball and the length of the paddle 
especially if you've played tennis in the past. So don't get frustrated because that's 16 minutes. But here's the thing. In eight minutes, you're going to be obsessed, so you're not going to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. Well, one thing I'm hoping to do during our conversation today is bring in a few quotes from your book that I absolutely loved. And one of them was, uh, the way people approach and play the game is pretty similar to the way they face life off the court. And uh, so I think that that just captures maybe why in eight minutes we're all hooked. It's like, okay, I get this. This is like my best life. This is how I want things to be. It's true. And, you you know, I think to myself, well, uh, you know, you, I, I see myself, of course, in pickleball. There's no way I'm not going to be competitive. But there is also no way I'm not just going to have total fun. So you're right. It's a little microcosm. Uh, yes. uh, how you're how you act day to day, I think. Yes. Yes. I also wanted to say at some point that uh I felt like your book was pickleball. You know, it just felt relaxed and you know, simple but direct and fun and playful, but information. And as I was reading it, I thought, this is pickleball. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jana. I wanted it to be you know, part source book and part fun. Yeah, so it would be a little bit of both. I mean, there are you know rule books, but who needs another rule book? Um, yes, you know, I spend some time, as you've seen, on some of the quirky rules that are that people often you know have an altercation about on the court, um, and some of the uh, the weirder things about the sport. But, um, you know, and some DIY stuff, like how to make a court of your own. But, you know, a lot of it, I think, is about the etiquette and and the fun and, uh, you know, how, how, to, how, to, how to take it to your community. All these things mm-hmm. that make it. You know, I, what I've started to, to think about lately, you guys, is this. Uh, Pickleball is Life, of course, is the name of my book. But also, I've been thinking about, really, life should be more like Pickleball. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit like what you were saying, Janet. Uh, that is to say, why shouldn't life be like pickleball in this way? Pickleball is cheap. It's inclusive. It's fun. It's uh, it, it's great for your health. Um, it gets you out of the house. You socialize and meet new friends. Um, and there's all kinds of things that that make it sort of the way you wish you were living all the time, as you said. Yes. Yeah, there really, uh, really, that was a huge part of it for me was, was all of that, um, including the, to a great extent, gentleness and kindness where, where with very few exceptions, everybody that I've met on the pickleball court is gentle and kind. And those exceptions caught on fairly quickly or went away. So, so that part was okay. I, I agree. And, you know, we were saying, uh, as we were setting up, uh, I, and I don't know if it happened to you guys too. And I, I talk about it in the book that almost the very first day, we're so used to saying about something, bumping into somebody, you know, uh, doing something minutely wrong. Sorry, 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 sorry. Even if you're not really sorry, right away, <laughs> the first day you play, somebody's going to say to you when you say sorry for missing, you know, and you're going to miss plenty of shots the first day. 
somebody the first day is going to say to you, hey, you know what? There's no sorry in pickleball. Yeah. And it's, uh, did that happen to each of you? Well, it's happened, it's happened to me. And what, what I say to people is I set a limit for myself of one sorry per game. And <laughs> so it's not the same. Really sorry. That's right. And it's not the same thing as one screw up per game, because fairly often a game is one screw up after another. But the other team is also one screw up after another. And that's why you keep score. Um, but one, one sorry per game, because if people say sorry, 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 every time you miss a shot or whatever. Um, you know, if you hit somebody with the ball, I apologize. You know, if I, or if I hit them in the back of the head with a paddle, cause I was poaching and they were poaching too, then, uh, then I say, sorry for that. If they're still alive. If they're still alive. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> right. Um, but you know, it's an interesting lesson, isn't it? Because you realize as you're trying to stop saying, oh, sorry, oh, sorry. Um, that it's really, you just walk through life. Uh, with these, with this sorry, sorry, sorry attitude, as I say, yes. much of which is just a reflex. You don't really mean. Yes, I wonder if the, if you could share a little bit about your becoming, your your journey to becoming oldish, as because I think feel like some of the things you're describing are hopefully where we come to as we get older uh, of just being like, let's just enjoy and accept and not have to apologize for everything or feel like we should, um, you know, let's be like you described pickleball, it's inexpensive, it's, it, it's inclusive, it's fun, it's competitive. Um, so I wonder if you could share a little bit about how you got to this point. Yeah, I guess you're, you're right. Um, I uh, had retired back to my own town, although I don't like to say retire. Uh, and, and, you know, I, we've all noticed that Serena Williams has said the same thing recently. It's a, re, it's a reinvention. Um, a retire gives you, gives everyone around you a sense of, uh, of, you know, that it's over for you. It's like I've heard somebody say, you know, when you make those awful noises, when you get up from a chair, <laughs> somebody told me once, everybody who hears you do that adds 10 years to your, what, how old they think you are. And I mm -hmm. thought, wow, that's what people call. So, you know, try to keep quiet for once. Um, so I had moved home and, uh, and I uh, saw this tennis court in back of my house, but, and I had played tennis a lot in my youth and I had uh, moved to New York for 42 years and so, you know, you've got about $7 to your name when you start out in the world of publishing every, every week left over. And so you thought, well, you could either play in the 70s, you could maybe uh, join up with a couple of people and play a little indoor tennis, or you can go to a disco and you know what one. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I got I moved home back to my hometown, as I say, and I realized, like, I sort of hadn't been outside in 42 years. And I wasn't sure that I could, I wasn't sure that I was ready to play tennis again. I didn't know if I had the wherewithal in me. Um, and so when pickleball came along and somebody introduced it, me to it, um, it seemed like enormous fun. It seemed, you know, you could, it's not like golf where you have to go out for six hours and, um, and and be pretty good at it to have anybody join you. And it was fun and it was easy. And um, 
one of the things I love about pickleball is that I always feel like there's room to get better and you can improve. And I'm not sure that's true about everything, you know, if we're honest. Um, so that journey started with me playing uh, with a few friends and I met more, you know, again, I was home in, in my hometown, so I knew people and I had had a lot of family around, but I had no idea that I would meet so many new friends. And that was important to me to, uh, you know, to, to get somewhere at the age of, what was I, 66, 67, and start to think that, um, that I was going to meet, meet a whole bunch of new friends and do a whole new thing. And so that was, that was crazy fun for me. And also I started to do community work around pickleball. So mm -hmm. that gave me something that I was also looking for when I moved home, which was a little purpose and intent. Uh, yeah. So, um, so it, it helped in all those ways. And, um, not that I don't do other, you know, volunteer things around town, but this was immediate and fun. So, you know, it made me feel, uh, and of course, all the exercise that I hadn't done in all these years, not only did it make me lose weight, so I was in shape, um, it felt, you know, it felt good in, in that way that being outdoors and exercising in some way do make you feel. So, it, you know, it helps you be. Uh, young and young at heart, you know, and then you start teaching kids who are 15. I'm now teaching, uh, I'm now teaching little girls at a uh, school who are um, uh, fifth through eighth, is fifth through eighth grade, and we're teaching them how to play pickleball. So, you know, that keeps you young as well. Yes. Well, I'm thinking, I'm very excited thinking about uh, why we started this podcast about aging. You know, all, so many things you just said as far as you don't like the word retirement, but you'd rather reinventing. And, you know, we've talked in the past on this podcast about uh, f former generations and how when they got there, uh, often felt like retired, life has ended I'm just going to sit and wait to die in a way. And we're all saying in this generation, no, no, about how about reinventing? How about finding something that works for us as our bodies age? Um, and one thing about uh, research around aging is that if someone can have a sense of purpose, have community, um, have someplace to go, you know, every day or a regular basis, that's what keeps us energized as we age. So you kind of covered the waterfront there as far as your own interests, making new friends, uh, the purpose as far as your community and teaching. It's like, that's what it's all about. It's what it's all about. And also, I, I, I believe firmly also, uh, Janet, that um, having friends of all ages is... Um, integral in keeping your uh, your mind and heart young not mm. uh, your body but uh so you know i have a friend who's uh, in her young teens and uh, now i've got you know i'm teaching all these girls who are in fifth grade um you know uh, kids and their kids to me in their 30s and uh you know a lot of them we've uh, i've involved in pickleball and um you know, to the, 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 and I'm sure you both noticed 
I, I, as I have, when you get out um, on a pickleball court and you're, you've gone somewhere for like a big open play to a local playground or something like that, or an indoor facility, it's not often that you see people discriminating as to whether they play with women or men. Mm-hmm. Do you find that as well? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Some, you know, some men were real bangers of, you know, like to play for, uh, you know, just the four men. But then they'll then they'll break off and play with a couple of women as well. And I find that really interesting. And 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 furthermore, I find that 15 year olds don't mind playing with 70 year olds, right. you know, and they're not necessarily really interesting part is they're not going to be inter- necessarily better than the 70-year-old. <laughs> no, I had, yes. Yeah, I had a talk with somebody last week, and he said, I cannot believe it. I just played with my in-laws. This guy's about 40. And he said, and they kept beating us. And <laughs> he was not liking it. I'll yeah. tell you, and I said, yeah, I'm not. So what are you looking at me for? I'm not surprised. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, well I bring up. The exception of the bangers physical strength is not a major factor. You know, the people who play the game well play it softly. And so there's no physical advantage, male, female, firmer, less firm. Um, I play a lot with with people who have mobility issues. Mm -hmm. Um, And as long as you're not taking advantage of their mobility issues to beat them, which nobody enjoys. And, you know, you're apt to, uh, you're apt to get ostracized from the group if you frequently do that because it's not kind for one thing. Um, but people, you know, with mobility issues, um, I played uh, the other day with someone whose grandson was along um, and I watched the grandfather interacting with the grandson and the grandson took three or four games before he was able to beat the grandfather. Um, but I'm not sure that the grandfather wasn't letting him score uh, <laughs> uh, so that he wouldn't, so they wouldn't be discouraged by it. Assuming you can get out on the court, there's no huge physical benefit to being uh, big and strong and tough. Um, I have played Greg. Why do you get in that back in that van? Are you still in Maine right now? Yes. Okay. When you get back in that van, if you go through New York City, you have got to play in Central Park. Oh, I didn't know you could. Oh, my gosh. They have taken these crummy old handball courts. Um, at the ni- they're the 96th Street entrance about halfway through the park. And um, they put up four nets every morning. And during the I, – I, I played a couple of times in 2021. And maybe there were 25 or 30 people. I went back this summer. They were setting up the courts at 8.30 in the morning, and they played till dark. And people came and went. I'm telling you, they went before work. They went at lunch. They went after work. They stole away from work because they're working at home. And I'll bet you 150 people go through there in a day. Wow. Let me tell you about the courts. So there are these four crummy courts. They are so tight. Well, they're more than tight. They're short. They're short a foot each way because they're on these courts. And there's a couple of divots and there's a little grass coming up. And so you're allowed to put one foot in to serve because in, on one side of you is the anchor fence. And at the other end is the cement wall that was formerly the handball court. So 
I was playing there one day and somebody came over. To, I got a talking to. And they said, you see that court over there? And they pointed somewhere like a little far away. That's for the bangers. Otherwise, you play like we play. And I, partially, I think it's because of the, you know, the, the, the way the court is, is built and how short it is. They concentrate not necessarily on this short dinking game, but on strategy and finesse. And I tell you what, it was a whole new day. I was shamed into, you know, playing like they did. And I thought, well, this is good. And then you go somewhere else and you try to play the same way to slow people down can get hard. But it was interesting to see that everybody got on the same page. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Makes me think of another quote that I got from your book, which is, um, pickleball is a lively process of becoming. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I, like I that. love that. That's, that's a good yeah. line. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And yeah. you know, the, I, what I also love about it is that I find, and and tell me what you guys think. I find there's a, sort of a missionary aspect to it. I mean, you want everyone to play. Mm-hmm. Once you love it, you just want everybody to find the joy that you're finding, and you're you're trying to get everybody to join in. You're offering to give them a lesson or two, and then send them on their way. But uh, you know, the more the more the merrier is the real truth about pickleball. Yeah. Yeah. Well, something you were saying a little bit ago, Aaron, made me think about just the whole concept of community. You know, so pickleball is life. What is life? And that maybe what we experience on the pickleball court and playing with others is the best of what we could imagine and want in community. And so that those people saying to you, if you're going to play with us, this is how we're playing. You can go over there if you want, but of course you don't want to do that. So you come and join the group and have a lot of fun. And uh, I don't know, there's, I'm wondering if that's part of the significant joy of pickleball. I think, I think you're right. You know, if you want to be part of this community and every community is different, you abide by our ethics by our etiquette mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and of course so much of how pickleball grew in the last few years was the tiny tiny community of a family when people were stuck inside and the only other people they could see were their kids and their wife and maybe a grandparent and they were they had to get outside and, you know, that's what we found. And I, you, you guys probably the same, uh, saved all of us to be, you know, I live in the country, so I, I'm lucky to do that. If I needed to get in a car and go for a ride, I could do that. But to be able to go outside and in the really scary, scary times of COVID, to be able to completely forget for an hour and a half was a, such a gift. And and that's how it grew so much. And that's also how pickleball became not only something that everyone thinks was the oldest sport, the sport for people our age, but the the average age of a pickleballer now is 38 and falling. So 
The feeling of community to me was the was the most important part, and that I I listen to uh, pickleball podcasts and watch pickleball YouTubes and so on. Um, and one of the podcasts I was listening to a couple of weeks ago um, said, you know, why why are you playing? And think about it, why you're playing on the way to the court. And he said, we, they do a lot, the, this particular podcaster and his partner, they do a lot of um, clinics and camps and so on and so forth. And they always ask this question, why are you playing? Uh, because they want to lead into the question of, you know, if, if you're playing for uh, fitness or community or laughing, laughing or getting outside or visiting with your friends, it's automatically assumed that when you get to the court, you had already won that day. <laughs> That's great. I love yeah. that. What was your answer? What are each of your, your, your answers? Uh, it's where I go to, to see people and to be with friends. Mm-hmm. And to la- I think if, if somebody said, what's the one word, I would say laughing. I would probably too. Uh, and and it's funny because uh, a lot of people I play have been big tennis players, and they've confided and said, "You know, I have played tennis with one of my best friends for twenty years, and although she's one of my best friends, I cannot stand playing tennis with her. <laughs> she turns into somebody I don't like. But get her on the pickleball court, and she's that laughing, fun person that I like as a friend. Yeah, huh, yes. it's not interesting. Yeah." It's yeah. just a little more laissez-faire, I guess. Janet, what do you? Why do you play? I was just thinking about that. I feel like there's so many answers. You know, I really like the exercise. I really like that sense that I can always be better. That there's this opportunity to grow. Um, I really like. I mean, the quote about "take your pickleball with a side of zen." I feel like there's something about pickleball that's very zen experience for me of being in the moment um that when it's when i'm up to serve i'm thinking about that serve i'm not thinking about what did i just do what am i going to do after this um what's i might think what's the score but for the most part it's you know uh i'm in this moment and this is the moment that is you know however i hit the ball and um but i love the laughter i love making friends um I love the sense of kind of equanimity, maybe, I don't know if equality is the right word, but definitely we're all in this to just enjoy playing together. Egalitarianism. Egalitarianism, yeah. Yeah. You know, I've found in the last few years, and I think, oh, this is so Pollyanna-ish when I say it aloud. I like being somewhere where everybody's happy. I mean, who doesn't? But I, yeah. but I concentrate on that. I like to make sure that I, that, that you know, I do things. You go to the, even going to the movies is that kind of thing. But yeah. when you play pickleball, you are really somewhere where everybody's happy. Yeah, yeah. On this podcast, the, where the, where the guy asked that question, which I th- I think is just a great question. He said, in all the years they've been asking that question, not a single person said they go to win. Wow. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of other sports, you go to win. You know, I like winning. Um, That's one of the reasons why I don't play golf anymore is that I couldn't even beat me. It was terrible. Uh, 
So, and I don't care, you know, in the pickleball, the game's over in 10, 15 minutes. I, I, you know, like I played nine games today in two hours and I couldn't tell you the score of a single one. I can remember a couple of good shots, but I couldn't tell you the score of a single game um, or which team won. I don't care. And I don't think anybody cares. You know, Greg, it's interesting you say that because I find that talking about you could always get better, maybe you could always get better not just at the game. I find that I used to concentrate on that and I used to concentrate and, and I was angrier um, than I was. At, at, and, uh, and I'm becoming much more laid back about, not about my game. I'm still awfully competitive, um, but I'm able to let it go more. As Janet said, you know, you clear the slate and you start over on the next point point. Um, but also, you know, I, I mean, I don't like to leave and think I didn't win one game that that I don't like. But, you know, it, it, some of the time you just think, well, you know, you were playing with better people or you, or sometimes it's because you didn't play well. But, you know, then there's always tomorrow or or this afternoon or whenever you play again, because um, me, I like to play twice a day if I can. Uh, well, that's great. Well, you know, occasionally I'll play three times a day. But then the visiting nurse has to come and find <laughs> the couch to get me to make dinner. Yeah. <laughs> and get you off the couch without making any noise. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing we like to ask when we're having a conversation with some someone is, uh, what is exciting to you about oldish? And then also what is scary about being oldish? But what's what's exciting for you about oldish? Um, I like, I love the reinvention. I love, uh, I had started something a few years ago, um, where, um, I, you know, I like to look into the future, um, and, and, uh, talk about again, getting better. I get up in the morning and I put my feet on the ground when I get out of bed and I say out loud, what's next every day. And it doesn't necessarily mean today I will go win a trophy. Today I'm going to win the lottery. It could just be, it, it, it starts your brain turning like, oh, right. Today's the day I'm having lunch with Janet. Uh, or, oh, good, I'm playing a great game this afternoon with Greg. Um, or I have dinner with, with a, a cousin. Anything like that. So, but it starts to put some structure into your day. And in your head, even without knowing it, you're, uh, you're beginning to fill up the hours in different ways and whatever you're going to do, however, you're going to make it a uh, productive day. And I don't mean productive in that you have built a bookcase. I just mean productive in that at the end of it, you feel like it was a good day. Yes. That is the goal. Yeah. Yeah. Them. What about what about scary? Yeah. What about the you know scary. scary? Um, I, I, what's scary to me is thinking that and, uh, now and again I stop and I think, you know, so they do say I turned seventy this summer, and they do say, you know, somebody said to me recently, "Oh, the seventies are the teenage years of your old age," and I loved that. A whole other like I like I got a whole other like fourth wind, um, but uh, I, of course it's scary to think. That you're on the other side, uh, you know. I sometimes I thought the other day I don't have 25 more Christmases in me. That's really strange uh, to think. So, 
But again, it's <laughs> it's like the bigger version of starting over with the next serve. Get you know, okay, let just start again. Just just let's just start anew. Let's just keep on going. Let's just try to make it, you know, you don't want to say each day count, but you're just trying to like, you know, have a little fun, do a little something for somebody else uh, uh, and make every day count. <laughs> every day has to count. Yes. Can't argue with that one. Yep. Well, in your book, Pickleball is Life, one of your uh, sentences was let it go. And I feel like uh, I, when I saw that, I was like, yes, you know, getting old is can be thought of as, you know, letting go, letting go of what doesn't matter, you know, filling your life with what feels like it matters at the end of the day, then you can feel like this was a productive day. This was, I got done what I wanted to, or I thought about what I wanted to, whatever it might be. Right. Well, yeah, that's like regrets. I mean, you can feel feel rueful and regretful about plenty of things, but I mean, and not that we don't. I'm not saying that that I that I don't and one doesn't. But you know, come on, move it along. What do you think about that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, time to serve again. That's right. Yeah, that's right. your serve. Whose serve is it anyway? Let's, <laughs> let's, <laughs> did I just serve that or did you? Right. <laughs> Somebody get a camera. Too <laughs> <laughs> fun. This is an aside, but I just wanted to also say I appreciated the artwork in your book and that um, there's diversity reflected there. Yes. There's a great uh, uh, illustrator whose name is Jackie Besteman, and uh, she lives in Toronto, and I have never met her. And we had a great working relationship. We had such fun. It was just the two of us really doing sort of the creative direction together on uh, on what the book would look like in the interior. So it's a beautiful, beautiful book, Four Colors Throughout. How could you get something like that in hardcover for $17.99? I want to know. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. Yes. So we're, we're looking forward to having the, the physical book. Um, I just yeah. having, having read, I, I read a kind of a pre release uh, PDF over the weekend. Um, and I know already I'm, I can think 20 or 30 people that are going to get that book this holiday season as a gift from me. That is wonderful. And all you have to do, Greg, is, uh, I'll happily send you book plates that are signed or inscribed or whatever you want. Uh When you have a list, you know, email me and I'll, uh, I'll send them off to you. Oh, that's great. Wow. That's lovely. Thank really you good. so much. No, and thank you. Every, you know, as we say in the book business, that's how we sell them one by one. One but by one. 20 by 30 is also good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's the, everybody, everybody has 20 or 30 people that they play with, right? So why wouldn't you want to give this book to somebody that you play with? I've been playing for four years. I've watched three or 400 YouTube videos. I talk about it all the time. I talk with a lot of people who play in various places. I read, I actually read the rule book, strangely enough. Yeah. A lot of it's gibberish, but I read the rule book. Um, so all of that stuff, you know, I, I studied up on which paddle to get and which shoes to get and, and so on and so forth. And 
I, I got a, I got a paddle and some shoes, you know, that's, you know, that's how it is. You know? <laughs> um, don't, you know, don't, don't wait until you know the right paddle, get a paddle, get some shoes. That's right. And you know, the great thing about the paddle situation now is so many places will let you demo a few paddles and yes. send them back. And, um, uh, so that helps you. It's hard to know because it's not like being able to go to your club and play with a variety of tennis rackets, which is something everybody's used to. Yeah. So we'll, of course, get you books. This is what it looks like. There it is. Oh, that's beautiful. It's really, it's really great. Looking. Oh, it looks great. Our listeners can't hear it, but they're going to, yeah. anyone listening will be able to order it and get it themselves. Yep. Yeah, I'll probably take one of the illustrations and use it as the artwork for the for the uh, podcast uh, page when when we release it. Um, so I I do want to make sure that people hear the part where, as I say, I've been I've been studying pickleball, mm -hmm. and over the weekend I learned several things from your book that I didn't know before. Oh, that's really great. That's yeah. interesting. And what would that be? Can you remember one? Uh, well, one is that. Um, no swearing. I didn't know about that one. So, so that will improve my uh, improve my gameplay considerably. Um, the 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 origin story I knew. There's a documentary out about um, the origin of pickleball, uh, where they actually interviewed many of the people that you spoke with for, for your book, um, and that was fun. Um, and there was the the um, there was a rule thing in there. Or I know what it was. It was touching the net ever. Ever. Uh, ever. Yep. As long as uh, obviously the ball is alive. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Now, yeah, I mean, something that too late, something not, that came up. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Not with your shoelace or your shirt or anything. No, anything. No part of you can touch the net. Yeah. Yeah. And, and some in the kitchen area too. If you, I found out, I don't know if it was in your book or not, but I found out someplace that if, if you're wearing a hat and your hat falls into the kitchen, <laughs> During the point, that's a violation. That's that, that that I don't know, but I think what a lot of people make the mistake of is thinking if they volley something, and they're standing behind the kitchen line, and they and they return it to the opposition after they hit it and it goes to the other side, they think they can then fall into the kitchen, which they cannot. Yeah. Yes, I, I learned that when I was reading your book. And also, it's interesting, I was playing pickleball this morning, and when I was reading your book, I'd learned about that there have to be the two bounces. And this might be basic, but I didn't know that. I knew that when you serve, the, there has the person, the other side has to let it bounce. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know that it then had to bounce again. Oh. And it was so interesting because there was an argument in our play today about that. And someone pointed it out, and the other person said, no, that's not true. And I thought, I just read the book, Pickleball is Life. I know that this is true. Osborne is always so juicy, right? That's why, you know. <laughs> and, you know, I love the story about the, uh, the uh, uh, I think I mentioned them, the Brown brothers and their dad, who were on site on Bainbridge Island the very first day, and they were very tall people. And they came over to play. And they were standing near the net and slamming it down. And, you know, ostensibly, this game was supposed to be for the kids. Uh, so, uh, you know, the so uh, Joel Pritchard and, and uh, Bill Bell said, no, no, uh, we're going to draw a line back three feet. You got to stay behind that line to be able to volley it. And so 
they were still too tall. So they kept moving it back as the day went along until it was seven feet. <laughs> so uh, pretty funny. They they live in yes. But yeah, those yes. uh, the uh, the uh, the kids, as I call them, which are they are now oldish as we are, uh, were they're wonderful stewards to uh, uh, for the um, game, and they get such a kick out of seeing what's happened. And they say, uh, as one of them said, my dad was like a camp counselor, and to see this happening, he would not believe, and he would be so tickled. So you know yeah yeah and i'm grateful for those folks every day the the pickleball has improved my life certainly because pickleball is life pickleball is life greg yeah that's right before we completely run out of time is there anything else aaron that we haven't thought to to uh, bring up i don't think so you guys have been pretty thorough i haven't heard how long you've been playing janet though uh, about three years, uh, about the same as you. Yeah. And uh, okay, who plays every day? Well, I, I don't play every day, but I play four or five days a week. I don't. I don't like to play on the weekends because I got to get something done around here. <laughs> <laughs> what about when you go? Oh, and then when you're on the road, of course, you'll be driving. Uh, what about you, Janet? I play three days a week on the weekends, so Saturday, Sunday, Monday, because I work the rest of the week. Otherwise, I would play every day. <laughs> at least once i love that you play two or three times a day that's that's my new goal well that's nutty as you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's not enough uh, oh okay all right well aaron thank you so much guys thank you so much it's been a ball bye kids thank you so much Thanks. everything bye bye that's it for now thanks to today's guest aaron McHugh. we had a great time aaron's book Pickleball is Life is just out. You can click on the link in the show notes to buy this book for everyone you know who loves pickleball or that you know would love it if they tried it. As Amazon affiliates, we get a small commission when you buy anything, including any of Aaron's other books, by clicking on the link. Think of it as a painless way to support our podcast. You'll find a link in the show notes to Pickleball Central, which is a great place to buy paddles, shoes, and everything else pickleball. We'll also get a small commission if you buy anything by clicking on that link. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend. If you'd like to hear more, check out our other episodes, follow us wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts, and come back weekly. Ratings and reviews greatly appreciated. You can support our podcast and the fight against Duchenne muscular dystrophy by buying an Everest and Duchenne t-shirt or commemorative flag or one or more of the books Greg has written at Greg's website. To get more information on Dr. Janet and or Greg, check out the show notes for links to our websites. You can reach us with comments, suggestions, or requests at oldish at canoncom.com. It will always be true that the most fun I ever had playing pickleball was just us hitting the ball back and forth and laughing on the little court next to the library with the river flowing by and the eagles wheeling overhead. Mm-hmm.